Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, Mr. Nathaniel Paul. How you doing today, my man? Feeling pretty good. I'm feeling kind of kind of short when I sit normal, so I'm going to have to sit up really tall. I set up the camera kind of wrong. But anytime you're next to Charlie, who is almost 6'8", you will end up feeling short. Mm-hmm. Feeling, been feeling pretty short my entire life, as it turns out. You got a new gig going. Uh, what's that? What Don't did I you? get? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, working. I am forcing Nate <laughs> into these calls. Yep. <laughs> Some of these calls. Under threat you had of a, poor. <laughs> you had a conference call today from I spoke, 2 to 2.30. I spoke with other people working for a corporation on a conference call today. How, how was that? It was the most BS words I've ever said <laughs> in my entire life. I, I introduced myself and I was like, what are some of the most useless things I could say <laughs> right now? And I found what those words were and then I said them. Yeah. So that's how mm-hmm. it worked out. Yeah. Hopefully none of them listen to the podcast. This, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Just talk about development and goals and, mm. and all that, you know, streamline and efficiency. And uh, you can pretty much work yourself up a nice corporate phone call. From what I can tell. I think you did well. Hey, thank you. Many more to come. (laughs) I'm pumped about it. (laughs) I am. I'm excited. Anyway, this is actually really helpful because I'm I'm drowning. Good. And I need someone to get me a straw. Well, I've got plenty of time. And you and you're (laughs) and you're giving me a straw. I'm sitting around with nothing to do. And uh, so figured I would take on a seventh job. today that's right <laughs> i'm excited about it though hey what's up everyone it's good morning liberty we talk about life liberty and the pursuit of meeting every single day of the week when we want to so smash that follow button tell a friend tell a family member get your own god hates feds shirt at godhatesfeds.com see you already got all that out of the way just ripping mm-hmm. the band-aid off except for i didn't tell everyone to go to join gml so they can hang out on the live group with us but now you did now it's all out mm. of the way so we can finally, you see, that's what we're doing. We're making things more efficient because I find the intro to our show has had a lot of inflation to it recently. Mm. You know, we just talk and and talk and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And what I find is we need to reduce the inflation. Yes. And so what do I do? Well, I'm going to add in talking about reducing the inflation at the beginning mm. of the show. You did. You passed the podcast inflation yeah beginning of the show reduction act oh there we go i figure that's all we have to do yes well thanks everyone there we go solve the problem i solved the problem because that's what i said we were going to do speaking of of course the senate passed the 740 billion dollar inflation reduction tax that's going to (laughs) make act that's going to keep getting those things messed up i have no idea why it's very confusing I say $740 billion because most people are just going to say it's like a $400 billion or whatever, but the, the real cost of it is what it's going to pull out of the economy, which they are projecting uh, with their rosy figures that it's going to be $740 billion. We'll see if they get that much from the corporations or if they, in fact, still employ a lot of really good accountants that can find ways to get out of paying taxes. Mm. We will see what that's going to do. So anyway... Uh, just here's the headline, and then we're going to go through a list of some ridiculous stuff that's in here. The Senate passed the, this is from Reason, the misleadingly named Inflation Reduction Act on Sunday before the senators adjourned until September. The bill, which is allocating around $740 billion, passed with a tie-breaking vote from Vice President Kamala Harris. It will now head to the House, which will vote on it by Friday, and it's going to pass the House. Yes. We'll see. Maybe they end up adding. What if they want to add like some ridiculous stuff to it and they got to send it back? They're not going to do that because they want to pass it. No, they want to pass it right now. You know, it's weird. We got like these CBO scores and all this stuff with the original 
Inflation Reduction Act, and then they changed some stuff in it over the weekend. And my assumption is that you want to wait for like new scoring on the bill before you decide to vote on it again. No. No? You don't want to Mm-mm. do that? Nate, inflation is at record highs, and it's mm. time to reduce it now. And how are you going to do that, Charlie? Bypassing this act. Uh, okay. That's, that's good. Yeah. that's Anytime anything, like, I, I'm surprised, honestly. And this is what tells me that America's still racist, <laughs> is we haven't, we haven't passed the Racism Reduction Act. Oh, yeah. Because if they would just do that... All of this no. hoopla goes away. No, still mostly white people in Congress. That's right. not going to go through. So I just don't understand. Okay, so we've got this thing. Make from America the, Rich Again, Dak. You know? The Americans for Tax Reform, they put out a list of some uh, great, great, great inflation-reducing things that are in this bill. And we're just going to take turns going through a few of them. And then I'm going to tell you why this is all completely pointless and terrible, of course. And I brought all the data to show all of that, just for fun today. Thought we would go through a little bit of data. Here's one, $6.5 billion natural gas tax, which will increase household energy bills. The bill imposes a regressive tax on American oil and gas development. This is from Americans for TaxReform.org, maybe slightly biased. The tax will drive up the cost of household energy bills. The Congressional Budget Office estimates natural gas tax will increase taxes by $6.5 billion. This tax hike violates the President Biden's tax pledge to any American making less than $400,000 per year. Not just this one, all of the other ones do too, because of course all of these taxes are just going to be filtered through all of the people who pay for stuff. And the way they get try to get away with this is like, you're not really going to see it. It's yeah. going to, you know, your, your heating bill is going to go up and you can still blame the oil companies. Mm-hmm. It's just not, capitalism. Yeah. Now what I hope happens is these natural gas companies will put that on the bill. They'll say Inflation Reduction <laughs> Act tax. Yeah. And they'll add it to the bill so you can see it in line item form. The, Not that that'll do anything, but. The American Gas Association warned that the methane tax would amount to a 17% increase on an average family's natural gas bill. Uh, Democrats have included the tax in the bill despite retail prices for energy surpassing multi year highs in the U.S. So there's one. What else we got here, Chuck? Um, $12 billion crude oil tax, which will increase household costs. You know, that's one of the problems that we've had this year, uh, is that we haven't been charging enough taxes on oil, Mm. you know, the oil prices, whatever they may do. One thing they've been missing is uh, some more taxes. Well, Nate, they're at record profits. Mm -hmm. So we need to scale that back a little bit. Of course. Okay. With gas averaging more than $4 per gallon across the country and only weeks removed from record high prices, Democrats have included a 16.4 cents per barrel tax on crude oil and imported petroleum products that will be passed on to consumers in the form of higher gas prices. The tax violates President Biden's tax pledge to Americans again. And if it weren't bad enough, Democrats have pledged their oil tax increase to inflation. As inflation increases, so will the level of tax. That's great. So they're just they're raising prices mm-hmm. artificially. That that should take care of it. How about because here's the thing that none of these companies will pay this tax. <laughs> they won't. None of them will. Now this is on imported oil. So of course what they're trying to do is bolster domestic energy. They want to force people to buy, uh, you know, American petroleum products. Of course. So this is an America First bill. It's not all that bad, Charlie. We want to mm. make sure we get everything just made and drilled right here and refined right here in the good old U.S. of A uh, to protect our jobs. Of course. The problem is with that, we could make the argument that that would be a good thing, that we get more things from the U.S., of course, instead of depending on other countries. I think it would be good to not be dependent on other countries for things. Everyone just has to realize, okay, that's fine. We're going to pay for it. So let's not act like we're going to do that and not pay for it. And it's not the rich who are paying for it, by the way. No. No, this is they going don't to care. be everyone. Uh, what else we got here? $1.2 billion coal tax, which will increase household energy bills, of course. The bill would more than double current excise taxes on coal production. Under the Democrat proposal, the tax rate on coal from subsurface mining would increase from 50 cents per ton to $1.10 per ton. That's a 120% increase, by the way. That's pretty big. Pretty big. Yeah. And and so, let's see. JCT estimate, estimates that this will raise $1.2 billion in taxes. 
that will be passed on to consumers in the form of higher electricity bills. Now, of course, what they will tell you is that this is all just going to be on the companies. The companies are going to pay this tax. But you can go back to last week's episode, or I think the week before that, we went through the studies on this. And actually, it's divided out in thirds. It's the shareholders, the people who own the company, about a third. A third of it is the people who consume that product, and the third are the workers at whatever the company is. Now, two-thirds of those people are some of the same people, the consumers and the workers. They consume and work. The other ones are the people who... uh, That's basically who everyone thinks is going to pay for everything, but that's not the way that it's going to be, especially with some of the other stuff they added in here. All right, there's a corporate income tax hike on U.S. businesses, which will be passed on to households. Democrats imposed a 15% corporate alternative minimum tax on the financial statement income of American businesses reporting $1 billion in profits for the past three years. These American companies employ millions of Americans. The cost of this tax increase will be borne by working families in the form of higher prices, fewer jobs, and lower wages. The Tax Foundation report from last December found a 15% book tax will reduce GDP by 0.1% and kill 27,000 jobs. The most recent cost estimate from this CBO found the provision would increase taxes by more than $313 billion. I think that's been revised down because they did do a little bit of a carve out in there for manufacturers that's revised down to like $286 billion is what they think they're going to make now. Uh, They're still going to spend the same amount of money on everything, Mm -hmm. but they're going to take in less now. According to JTC's analysis, JCT's analysis, 49.7% of the tax, basically 50%, would be borne by the manufacturing industry at a time when manufacturers are already struggling with supply chain disruptions. So if you wanted your new truck to come in, it's probably not. Tax Foundation... (laughs) Also warned that current supply chain issues could be worsened by the book taxes disproportionate burden on key industries. The report concluded that the coal industry faces the heaviest burden of the book minimum tax, facing a net tax hike of 7.2% of its pre-tax book income, followed by automobile and truck manufacturing, which faces a 5.1% tax hike. Told you. Now, I don't know. You know, I know this is just a lot of numbers and everything, and that's why it's boring, and that's why no one pays attention to any of these things when they get done. But all these It's called the Inflation yeah, Reduction that's Act. That's all that matters. All the stuff that we just why said. Why would you vote against yourself? What we're explaining to you is why prices are going to go down on things. That's what we're saying. Of course. I don't know why anyone would think it's going to be anything other uh, than that. How about $124 billion stock tax, which will hit your 401ks, IRAs, and pension plans? I don't have to go through all this stuff, but they are going to be taxing stock buybacks. Now, people hate stock buybacks because that's how the rich get richer, man, and they escape paying taxes, and taxes are a tax on, wait, no, taxes, when you escape that, that's like taxing away our ownership of other people's stuff, (laughs) you know? That's exactly what it is. You can't rob our robbery. They're going to do a 1% uh, stock buyback tax and this will probably decrease the amount of stock buybacks and so you're like oh who cares that's i'm reminded of evading taxation it's like if you like run away from the robber (laughs) it's like that's a crime yeah to get away that's to get away from the robbery (laughs) true it's a crime it is yeah he he deserves your stuff man Mm. so the the way that this is going to hurt potentially for people's retirements is when people do stock buybacks that helps prop up the price of the stocks. I'll just say it that way. It's also a way for companies to take their money and invest back into their own companies. And, of course, the people who own the shares that are getting bought back get paid off rather nicely. But one thing they do is they decrease the amount of shares that are available. So they decrease the supply of shares. Assuming the demand for those shares stays the same, that helps prop up the price of the shares. And that's one Which thing. Which is good for any shareholder holding that company. Anyone. And not just the super rich people that everyone's mad about. It's good for everyone who has a retirement plan of any kind. And so it helps their retirement plan. So you don't want to attack those things just because you're mad at a few people who you think are making too much money. It actually helps everyone who has a retirement. That really covers the next two right there. The Yeah, the union. The mm-hmm. union, same, same, same thing. All right, 95% federal excise tax on American pharmaceutical manufacturers. Because, you know, Pfizer made too much money. Yeah, of course. 
Democrats would impose a 95% excise tax on prescription drugs unless drug manufacturers accept government price controls. Now that's a negotiation. Yes. That is how you negotiate. I tell you the price that we're willing to pay, and if you don't want to do it, I'm going to take all your money instead. In reality, all drug manufacturers would accept the price controls or stop selling the drug in the U.S. market entirely rather than pay the 95% tax. This provision would restrict U.S. medical innovation and limit the supply of new medicines, but it doesn't matter because these people are too rich. Mm -hmm. Price controls never work because they cause supply shortages. The CBO warned the reduction in manufacturers' revenue could be as high as $1 trillion over the next 10 years and would lower spending on research and development and thus reduce the introduction of new drugs. Because we have everything we need. I mean, people mm-hmm. are living as long as we want them to live. We don't need new drugs. No. No, we don't need to do that. And that's we the don't. problem. You never see the ones that don't come onto the market. The CBO further stresses the uncertainty in assessing the number of new medicines that would be prevented from coming to market. The agency already revised its original assessment to increase the number of drugs prevented from being introduced by 50%. Yeah, so another thing that you don't see with this, uh, they're going to do the same thing with Medicare, and it's what everyone's wanting, uh, capping the prices or Medicare covering all these drugs. I was looking up some information on Canada's healthcare system. And I read this interesting study. Over a period of 10 years, there were 400 new prescription drugs that were approved and introduced into the market. In Canada? In Canada. But the Canadian free, amazing healthcare system decided that they would pay for, they would offer 25 of them, of the 400 that were approved. And see, that's something that people aren't, it's like, it's one of those unseen things. You're like, oh, well, this is weird. I feel like we're getting less drugs than what we used to. Or there's a lot of drugs, and I just checked, and it turns out that's not, you know, they won't pay for that. That's not available, unfortunately. And that's one of the things that you you get when they start doing all of these uh, price caps or negotiations. They'll just decide that they're not going to cover it. And with the Medicare thing, by the way, when they decide that they're going to cap the price of these drugs or negotiate the price, that might, in fact, not change the amount of drugs that are available because the drug manufacturers still have another market they can go to. It's the private insurance market. And so what it's actually going to do is drive up the prices in the private market, and Medicare is going to look like they're saving a bunch of money. I'm going to make a video later. I'm going to have to get a... The only way I can come up with to do it, imagine a balloon. Imagine you got a balloon right there in front of you. Not like filled all the way to the max where it's about to pop. I'm picturing a balloon. You picture in a balloon, it's got some air in it. Okay. Imagine one side of the balloon. Helium or like hot air? Just air in the balloon because I don't want it to fly away. You know, I want want it to keep it with me. Okay. Like one side of the balloon, it says private drug market. The other side, it says Medicare drug market prices. You squeeze the Medicare side and what happens? The private side balloons up. Starts to expand. Mm. And then what's going to happen are the prices are going to go up quite a bit on that side. That's where they're going to get their money that they're missing out on what they were charging Medicare people. So the government's going to have to come in 10 years from now, 10, 15 years from now, something like that. They're going to say, you know what? We got to start capping this. And so then they're going to squeeze the other side at the same time. And then what's going to happen in the balloon? It goes away. It's going to pop. There you go. That That was was a balloon popping. That was a pretty good popping sound. It wasn't that bad. You've been working on that. I spent probably the first half of my day working on the balloon (laughs) popping sound. So (laughs) how about this IRS thing? Let's skip down to that. Supersizing the IRS, just the best government agency that there is. Man, that's going to be good. The bill would spend $80 billion to supersize the IRS with 87,000 new agents. It's really weird that they would need 87,000 new agents when there's only like 726 billionaires in the U.S. What are they going to do with all the other ones? You know? Yeah. I'm assuming that it's going to, you know, because what I heard was uh, like only a couple percent of the calls actually get responded to. Have you ever tried to call the IRS? So they're probably just going to put a bunch more customer service people out there because we're getting bad service. No. It turns out only like 4% of the money is going to go towards any of that type of service. The rest of it's going to go towards... To catch the evaders. Thieves. Thieves. Yeah. Sorry. Not thieves. Jeez. Uh, by I, the if way, I ever talk to one, I'm going to I'm gonna get an air freshener and I'm going to sniff it right in front of them and ask them how they sleep how at night. sleep at night? How do you sleep at night? Amanda is right, though. Uh, balloons are way louder when they pop. I mean, that little... 
that's like I was saying for sound effects not, purposes, that was pretty yeah. decent. I was trying to give you some encouragement. I appreciate it, but Amanda, as usual, there to remove the encouragement that yeah. you would try to, to cut give. you down. Uh, what I was just saying, by the way, I heard that from Hannah Cox, uh, who tweeted this. There are 724 billionaires in the U.S. and 87,000 new IRS agents. They're not going after the rich cupcakes. They're coming for you. Mm. That's true. Remember when you got to report all those transactions over like 600 bucks or whatever in a year? They got to make sure people are actually paying their fair share. Mm-hmm. Turns out a lot of people going to figure out what that fair share is. I've never seen this much potential inflation reduction in my entire life. Charlie. No, this is, if I looked up inflation reduction in the dictionary, this entire <laughs> bill would be there. The group it's, is cracking me up, right? <laughs> I appreciate everyone on Team Nate right now. <laughs> Speaking of inflation, let's hear from a couple important Democratic figures on inflation. Here's Joe Manchin talking about inflation. And on uh, repealing the, the Not inflation, tax. tax. Uh, for tax hikes. families who make $250,000 or above. I, I don't think during a time of recession you mess with any of the taxes or increase any taxes. When I became governor, and as my opponent says, that I have a record that speaks for itself because we have cut taxes in West Virginia an unheard of amount in four years, $235 million of cuts. Unbelievable. And this is for all of our citizens and businesses. We did that when I first came in and we start looking. They said, oh, we might need to have to raise taxes. I said, I can't look the people in West Virginia in the eye and ask them to pay a penny more until I know we're running this government efficient. And we did that. And you know what? Within one year, we were able to start reducing taxes. Well, that's weird. Our government must just be running really efficiently then. That's what Manchin was talking about. <laughs> that's why they can raise it. Yeah, yeah that's why they can do it. Mm. So he says not to do that during a recession. And uh, let's hear what Obama had to say. I'm sure everyone's heard these clips, but let's hear them again. He says, explain how raising taxes on anyone during a deep recession is going to help with the economy. And he actually wants you to look at historical markers where this has been, you say, you know, where this has been a helpful thing <laughs> well, out of a recession. Well, first of all, uh, he's right. Uh, normally you don't raise taxes in recession, which is why we haven't <laughs> and why we've instead cut taxes. So I guess what I'd say to Scott is uh, his economics are right. You don't raise taxes in a recession. We haven't raised taxes in a recession. But you we might don't have for a You might for the high for some of the wealthy. Uh, the uh, we have not uh, proposed a tax hike for the wealthy that would take effect in the middle of a recession. Even the proposals that have come out of Congress, mm -hmm. which by the way were different from the proposals I put forward, yeah. Mm -hmm. still wouldn't kick in until after the recession was over. So he's absolutely. But the the problem is, Nate. What is a recession? Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. The good thing is we're talking about, oh, they said don't raise taxes or in a recession. Well, we're not in a recession. Of course, yeah. This isn't what a recession is. Mm -mm. You don't have two negative quarters of GDP and call that a recession ever in history. That doesn't happen at all. So, yeah, I guess no one's being hypocritical at all when it comes to these uh, recession talks. All right, real quick before we get to the other thing, I wanted to tell you why none of this matters. Remember, the bulk of this is getting spent on climate change. And our goal is to reduce our emissions by 50%. And I, first off, Charlie, what do you think the odds of us hitting that goal of reducing our emissions by 50% is, are going to be? You think good odds that we'll hit our target? I guess, I guess it really depends on who stays in power. Yeah. You think if, let's just pretend that um, Democrats stay in power. You think we'll hit that goal of 50% reduction? In emissions? Maybe for a period of time. Okay. But then the, there would probably be civil war. <laughs> yeah. So we I could, think we could hit the goal to... if the whole country falls apart. Exactly. Right? That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's a way that so, we could do it. Yeah. Amanda had so a good you're point. you saying there. there's a chance. Not if we include the emissions that we outsource to uh, other countries. So these numbers are up to 2019. 2020 is a rough, num a rough number of the pool because all the emissions dropped in 2020. And that wasn't because of anyone's climate policies. And so going up to 2019, this is showing... That's because COVID's good at reducing yeah. emissions. <laughs> so these are the changes in annual emissions, the changes from 2010. That's um, what we need. We just need to pass more uh, pandemic laws. Mm -hmm. Everyone stay in your house. Don't go anywhere. Don't yeah. do anything. Our emissions will drop. That's the bright side of the pandemic was that all the emissions went down mm -hmm. quite a bit during that time. The earth got healthier. Exactly. As the humans got sicker. So See, we're a cancer. 
Over this period of time, India increased their emissions by 56%, Indonesia by 46%, China by 21%, Russia by 4%. I threw in a few where they where they declined. Mexico down 6%, United States down 7%, and the entire European Union down 16% during that period of time that we were looking at. Now, if you look, uh, one of the problems here is that China, clearly the biggest emitter of poison in for earth into our atmosphere and we're close behind them and uh, then we got european union and in the same list in keeping uh, then it goes down to india and russia and indonesia and mexico is really small i just threw them in because you know we're friends so i figured we'd throw it in there so i did a few numbers on this on what their emissions were what their increase was what would happen if they continued on the same pace if their pace was cut in half or um, if it looked really good or what the likely scenario would be. I did a couple scenarios here based off of what their numbers are. Now, this has got all those changes I just read off to you and what their emissions actually were. So I just threw in a hypothetical right here. What if China, which, which increased their emissions by 21%, uh, what if they cut that in half and their increase was only 10%? And then the U.S., we hit our goal of minus 50% during this time. And then the, uh, the EU, they double what their reduction has been. Okay, and then India, they cut their, their growth in half. It was 56%. We're just going to do 25%. Russia, they cut their growth in half with their emissions. Indonesia, they cut their growth in half. And Mexico, they just stay the same. Mm. Same, same. Laissez-faire. Now, if that happens, if we hit our goal, if EU doubles theirs, if India cuts theirs in half, if China cuts theirs in half, if Indonesia cuts theirs in half, then we would save about a billion tons of carbon uh, getting thrown out there into the atmosphere over that time. Now, that's not all the carbon that goes out there. That's just from these countries right here. Mm -hmm. That represents a very small, uh, still a very small portion reduction. That's if we hit our goals, the EU doubles theirs, China cuts theirs in half, all that, already settled that stuff. So then what if, maybe a little bit more likely, what if we don't hit 50? What if we hit 30? And the EU, they're at 16. What if they go to 20? And then I still did China in half, India in half, Russia, what if they stay the same? Indonesia, they get cut in half. Mexico stays the same. What happens to the number of emissions? They stay the exact same, actually, amazingly, that... I did not mean for that to happen. It actually came out to the exact same number. That's hilarious. <laughs> that was, it was actually crazy that that, that that happened. That's with us, I mean, still reducing by 30% and China and India and Indonesia cutting their emissions in half, their growth in half that they're at right now. Now, what if we go to like something that's slightly more likely? Okay. What if China stays on the same pace they've been on? And what if we don't hit our 50%, but it's actually a 20% reduction? Kind of like what the EU's was over that previous time period. What if the EU does another 20%? And then what if basically India and Indonesia and all these countries, they pretty much stay the same on the same growth that they're on right now, but we uh, have some decrease in, in ours? Well, that would actually still end up with more carbon in the atmosphere uh, than we have right, right now. now. The only thing that's different is that we would destroy our economy while China and India and Indonesia and Russia and all them just keep chugging along doing what they're doing. That's the only thing that's different. Whatever costs necessary, Nate. Yeah. So. Because this also reduces inflation. Yeah. See, you don't, most people don't realize one of the biggest causes of inflation is carbon emission. <laughs> I'm going to copy these uh, and so, numbers and put them in the group. for To Amanda reduce inflation, we must also reduce carbon emissions. And that's the path forward, folks. That's how you solve the problem. Mm -hmm. any, I'm going to post this Any lot. means necessary. That's the one, uh, the one I just posted in the group. That's if China and India and Indonesia basically stay the same. And we cut ours by 20. EU cuts theirs by 20. Uh, and then let's do one where we actually hit our goals I believe, let's see, well, that's a 30% reduction. I'll just send you the other screenshot, too. There you go. They're all in there. Now they're all in there if anyone, anyone needs them. So anyway, 
here's the problem. Uh, if China and India and Indonesia stay on their side, now Indonesia doesn't have huge, uh, you know, huge numbers, but their growth is really big right now. Just if those three countries stay on the same path, nothing changes from look, right now. You're looking at countries we should go to war with. Exactly. Honestly. We're looking at a war. China is too much growth. And why wouldn't you go to war if the entire planet's going to, Charlie, if the entire planet's going to be destroyed and millions of people are going to die, then why wouldn't you go to war? Then this carbon emission is an act of war. It is. It's, it's an act of war against our children. If you're taking it, I'm just saying, if you're taking it seriously, if what everyone's saying is the truth and they truly take it seriously, then why would the U.S. government not be going to war with China and India to prevent them from emitting more carbon? If we're all going to die, why not? So they basically got a hey. nuclear bomb with a timer on it that's set to nine years right now. I, I say we get over there and we stop that bomb, man. Mm -hmm. I'm being serious about climate change. Mm -hmm. It's time for a climate war. I I couldn't agree more. That would also reduce inflation. If you're new to the show, just so you know, Charlie and I, we engage in something that's called sarcasm mm. quite a bit. And sometimes it's we tough do? to tell. <laughs> no, we don't ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ex explaining sarcasm with sarcasm. Speaking that was of, pretty good. I got to say. Those are tons, uh, billions of tons, Amanda. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the while reducing inflation. I'm mm -hmm. so excited. God. It's about to get bad. Yeah. Seriously. Um, <laughs> so just just be on the lookout, folks. What can you do at home? Well, this is what we talk about. All This is the whole pursuing meaning thing that we talk about is make sure that you are pursuing meaning, mm -hmm. doing something meaningful and valuable to society that even during turbulent times that you your skills are valuable and what you do for folks is valuable and, and that you can take care of yourself and your family. That's what you can do. Uh, unfortunately, we, I, I don't know how they got this through the Senate. This is pretty crazy. There has to be, I, we need to look at the votes, but I wonder what Republicans were like, oh, or was it 50-50 and then Kamala? Mm -hmm. Oh, so it was 50 Democrats. They got all 50 Democrats to vote for this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Including Manchin. Manchin and Cinema both both went for it. After Cinema got her carve out, a couple of them, which was getting the carried interest loophole. Uh, taken out, and then they they did do a a carve out for uh, manufacturing where they're basically going to let them write off a little bit more of their expenses towards that fifteen percent minimum tax uh, than some of the other industries, and so they got those taken out of there, and yeah, we passed it. But then they added in that one percent tax on the stock buybacks, and that actually they're projecting will raise more money than the carried interest loophole was in the original one. Mm. So uh, that's, it turns out they are planning on taking more from corporations than what they'd originally planned on. Now, here's a funny, funny thing. This is from Reuters. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I do a lot of things to take care of my mind. For a while there, it wasn't something that I ever thought about. I thought I could just go through life and not ever think about my mental health, whether or not I was too stressed out, whether or not I was burnt out whether or not there were things that I could actually solve. But if you think about it, you're only going to get this one mind, this one brain, and you should really take good care of it in the same way that you would take care of your car if you were going to have to use it for the rest of your life. Don't waste any of your time being upset, angry, depressed, anxious, burnout, stressed out, when there could be something you could do to actually fix it. There's a lot of things you can do, by the way. You could take some naps if you want to. You can take some time off, take a vacation. But there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. So therapy is something I've done. Charlie uses BetterHelp still. He's been using it for over a year now. So if there's something that you need to talk to someone about, you could use BetterHelp. Now BetterHelp is an online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on the camera if you don't want to. It's a lot more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours, and our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com gml. That's betterhelp.com slash gml. I want to tell you guys about a sponsor for the show, which is the Expat Money Show from our good friend, Mikkel Thorup. 
Listen, becoming an expat, that is a difficult decision. But for those of you that are in any way on the fence about this, you're curious about it, you wonder about the logistics of it, hands down, Expat Money Show is the best place to go to hear all of the advice, all of the strategy on how to do this. You're going to learn all about precious metals, uh, how to store your money best way possible. You're going to learn about cool things like how to legally avoid paying taxes, getting passports so you can travel all around the world, how to actually protect the assets that you have from some of these tyrannical governments. And by the way, there is an expat online money summit, the expat money summit that is coming up in November. And yes, it is going to have the one and only Ron Paul speaking. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but I tell you what, Mikkel, he knows exactly what to do because he has been living this life. He's not just the guy that's out there talking about this thing that you can do. He's literally living it on a daily basis. He knows everything there is to know about becoming an expat. So go to the expat money show, listen to that podcast and all also go sign up for the free expat money summit coming up in November. Once again, go to the expat money show on all of your podcast apps and go to the link in the show notes so you can sign up for the free online expat money summit. Automakers say U S Senate bill. So what they just passed in the Senate uh, will jeopardize their 2030 EV targets. A group representing GM, Toyota, Volkswagen, and other major automakers said a $430 billion bill approved Sunday by the U.S. Senate will put achieving U.S. electric vehicle adoption targets for 2030 in jeopardy. Before you go any further, you notice that they haven't said Inflation Reduction Act yet Mm -mm. in the article? Did you notice that? Yeah, they haven't at all. You know why? Because it's not going to reduce inflation. They don't want this to come up when people are searching for it. Ah. That's why. I see. It's pretty smart. (laughs) Yeah. Quote, unfortunately, the EV tax credit requirements will make most vehicles immediately ineligible for the incentive, said the Alliance for Automotive Innovation's chief executive, adding that the bill, quote, will also jeopardize our collective target of 40 to 50 percent electric vehicle sales by 2030. The group had warned warned Friday that most EV models would not qualify for a $7,500 tax credit for U.S. buyers under the bill. To be eligible. They literally are not going to say the name of the bill. No. I did not notice that when we put it on here. They're trying to keep... Man. To be eligible for the credit, vehicles must be assembled in North America, which would make some current EVs ineligible as soon as the bill takes effect. The Senate bill imposes other restrictions to deter automakers from using Chinese-made materials by phasing in required percentages of North American-sourced battery components. It is America first agenda. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what this is. After 2023, vehicles with batteries that have Chinese components could not receive the credit, while critical uh, minerals also face limitations on sourcing. Joe Manchin, who pushed for the restrictions, said EVs should not depend on foreign supply chains, while Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan said the credit is unworkable. The bill creates a $4,000 tax credit for used EVs, the package provides billions in new funding for EV production, as well as $3 billion for the U.S. Postal Service to buy EVs and battery charging equipment. The new EV tax credits, which would expire in 2032, would be limited to trucks, vans, and SUVs priced no more than $80,000 and cars up to $55,000. Families with adjusted gross incomes of up to $300,000 would be eligible for that tax credit. That's great. Mm. Now, that does set a cap on EV prices, by the way, and, um, until it's ready to jump over that. But like cars, the cap for the credit is fifty five thousand. So any car, by the way, that's uh, that's at uh, forty eight thousand right now can pretty much immediately move up to fifty five thousand because they're going to get that credit on top of it. We we know that potentially if they if they qualify. Now, for it to move up further than that, it's going to have to jump up to like 70000 to make it to where you're not worried about the, the credit quite as much anymore. But what about this whole no China no China EVs or batteries? I didn't, I didn't hear much about that. No, no Chinese, these xenophobic <laughs> EV makers. Basically, so you got to be what produced in North America? Uh, and they're saying that a lot of the EVs aren't going to qualify for this it. This is the make Detroit great again. I wonder if this is why the market came down pretty hard today. Mm. Hmm. The make Detroit great again plan is what this is. All the while, 
folks, we are reducing inflation. Yeah. Did you guys hear all that talk about how we're going to reduce inflation? That's what yeah. we're, yeah, this whole time we're reducing inflation. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And once again, maybe it's good that we get most of our cars made in the United States or most of our batteries or the minerals from the United States. I think we've seen over the last uh, eight months or so that it's not so good to be dependent on other countries all the time. I'm still in favor of free trade, but it's not as easy as it seems. You do have to consider whether or not one of those countries is trying to make you dependent on them and then take you over. I'm not saying that we don't have to consider that in this whole thing. But what everyone has to remember <clears throat> is that that has to be paid for, just like the earlier thing. We can have that conversation about getting everything made in America. It has to be paid for. And being part of a bill that's called the Inflation Reduction Act, all I can see are a bunch of things that are going to lead to price spikes on a bunch of stuff. All the while, your wages are not going up. No. Now, why are we doing this, by the way, Charlie? That's because climate change is going to kill everyone. Mm. And so that's why we're doing this, which is why I brought in this conversation right here, this lovely Reuters post, this lovely article, Washington, D.C. lightning strike that killed two offers climate warning. I think it might be might be three. It's three I now. Three. Mm. Yeah, I saw that somewhere else. Washington, which has never happened before. No, no, you don't, you don't get lightning... You know what's never happened is I've never seen God miss. And, uh, you know, it looks like it. I mean, it's close, but just just not all the way there. Guidance system a little bit off, you know. What are you going to do? He's probably going to take that up with Jesus. Yeah. You'd have to be, uh, if you haven't seen the photo, this is a lightning strike that's, I don't know, maybe 50, 50 feet in front of the, the White House. Oh, so close. Is that so real, far. you think? Uh, Alex Jones said it wasn't, but... <laughs> so it's got to be. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> anyway, scientists say that climate change is increasing the likelihood of lightning strikes across the United States. After lightning struck at a square near the White House, leaving three people dead and one other in critical condition, the hot, humid conditions in D.C. on Thursday were primed for electricity. More heat can draw more moisture into the atmosphere while also encouraging rapid updraft. Two key fa factors for charged particles, which led to lightning, which lead to lightning. A key study released in 2014 in the journal Science warned that the number of lightning strikes could increase by 50% in this country. Century. In this century in the United States with each one degree Celsius of warming. That's not good. That is not good. That means that with each one degree Celsius, your chances go from like one in a million up to like 1.5 in a million. That's pretty good. Would you play mm. the lottery with those odds? 1.5 in a million? Probably. We play the mega millions, I bet, with mm. those kind of odds. Yeah. Those are pretty good. Here's the problem, because I was just looking this up. I want to see this data. What's the problem with saying lightning strikes have increased rapidly over the last 20 or 30 years? Like, first thing that pops in your head. We don't know how many lightning strikes there were in, the, in history. <laughs> we have computers that detect lightning strikes. Yeah. That's one of the big problems that we have. And in fact, in this study from 2014, they mentioned that at the end of it as one of the major limitations is that they're just using projections of what lightning strikes must have been a long time ago. Because right now we have these machines that, that keep track of all of the lightning strikes or potential lightning strikes because it's still just... I don't think they track every single bolt that comes down. Now, I was, I was looking through that, and I found another study when I was... And we have yet to find the Egyptian lightning strike counter. Mm -mm. Yeah. No, that got, it got hit by lightning too many times. It got <laughs> blown up. That's how many times it got hit. Now, because that was one of God's plagues on the Egyptians. Now, remember, we're doing all this climate change stuff because we're all going to die. And even so far as to get people worried about... Lightning strikes. I mean, one of the lowest probability things that could possibly happen to you. And it almost happened to me, I got to tell you. Yeah? Yeah. No, not really. Oh, well, thank but, God the climate didn't change anymore. I know. Before that. It I, definitely would have happened. It was, uh, it was after my wreck on Friday. Monday, I was going to the salvage yard to get the rest of my belongings out of my truck. And I was pumping gas and lightning struck probably like... A hundred yards. It now, was loud. Now, if you would have got hit by lightning, you'd have to question what it is you're doing wrong in your life. I would. That. I would. Mm -hmm. That was a little too close for comfort. 
So I was looking through studies on this because I want to learn about how lightning is going to increase. Well, then I find this other study done in 2018. Now, this is a more recent study. In fact, about the most recent study, because all the other articles I found are referencing the 2014 study. Well, this article in Nature says that... Clearly right-wing propagandist. Right-wing propagandist uh, website funded by Alex Jones. Nature. Um, and the Koch brothers, brother, uh, funded this article right here. They actually find a projected decrease in lightning under climate change. Mm. And why do they find that? Because there is actually a new, much more efficient way of projecting lightning, this completely different way that they use in this study. I'm not going to go into all of it, but they're looking at ice cl cloud ice flux. And there's like this level of clouds, and it's like ice. Well, the studies from 2014, they're not looking at that. They're just looking at our little crappy clouds that we look at. Mm -hmm. You know, they're talking about this this other, these. they're way up there. Just, just way up there, and there's a bunch of ice in them. That's exactly what I learned from studying the topic. And mm. then you, that's all the science that you need to know yeah. behind the whole thing. Well, anyway, I'm, I feel like I'm scienced out. When they do this study using this new method in 2018 for nature, they find a 15% decrease in total lightning flash rate up to in the next century yeah. using this calculation. Now, none of the articles that I read about this reference this study. They all reference the one from 2014 where it said it was going to like double over the next hundred years. Mm. Not this one that says it's going to decrease by 15%. So just so you guys know, just so we're clear, everyone can be prepared out there because that's what this show, this show prepares you. <laughs> Lightning strikes because of climate change will increase and decrease at the same time over mm -hmm. the next century. We need to both subsidize and tax lightning strikes. That way we can take care of them. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. God. All right, we got a few minutes. Let's move over to a completely unrelated, ridiculous topic here from Project Veritas slash Post Millennial. All right, so the Post Millennial, the FBI lists the Gatson flag. That's the little snake, the yellow flag with the snake that says, uh, don't tread on me, by the way. Uh, 2A, revolutionary war imagery as extremist symbols. Okay. On Tuesday, Project Veritas released leaked documents from the FBI outlining symbols they say are commonly used by anti-government or anti-authority violent extremists, noting specifically militia violent extremists, the MVEs. And these are the domestic terrorists you should be most concerned about. Mm -hmm. The leaked document, obtained through an FBI whistleblower, lists numerous symbols, historic references, common phrases, and military networks that militia violent extremists may use or associate with quote the following symbols are used by anti-government or anti-authority violent extremists specifically militia violent extremists mve symbols are often found on propaganda online platforms memes merchandise group logos flags tattoos uniforms etc widespread use of symbols and quotes from american history <laughs> especially the revolutionary war exists within MVE networks, historic and contemporary military themes are common for MVE symbols. The FBI internal document reads widespread use of quotes from American history. The FBI does concede though, that quote, the use or sharing of these symbols alone should not independently be considered evidence of MVE presence or affiliation or serve as an indicator of illegal activity as many individuals use these symbols for their original historic meaning or other nonviolent purposes. Yeah, so you don't you don't look at it and just immediately assume that you've got yourself an MVE. When you see that, you need to investigate that you have person. Probable cause spy now. On exactly. Them. Yeah. Now you have probable cause just to make sure that there's no correlation. Including in the symbols is two A. With the FBI saying MVEs justify their existence with the Second Amendment due to their mention of a well-regulated militia as well as their right to bear arms. Warrior culture, military themes, both, both historical and contemporary, with the examples of Spartans and Valhalla and Malanabe, which translate to come and take it from Greek. Guys, this is a... This is a a branch, not a branch, but this is a piece of the U.S. government made up of people who swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution. It's probably in their employee paperwork, I bet. It's probably in their 
in their mm-hmm. contract. And you literally, 2A is one of the things. Pretty soon it'll be Latin. <laughs> the Betsy Ross flag is on here. Yeah. Oh, Betsy. Man. Revolutionary Pretty soon E Pluribus Unum would be, is going to be considered... <laughs> Is going to be considered MVE like common phrases. I will not comply. Mm. Just I'm listen. Just imagine it for a second that the a piece of the U.S. government listing on a document people using the phrasing that they won't comply as people to look at for potential MVEs. Mm. Mm. That's a dangerous group, man. Oh man, we're screwed. You know, or but it, everything's going to be okay. Is upside down flags on there? No, no. So we no, had that for yet. a while. Not yet. Liberty. No. What about Liberty torches? I don't see any torches on here. Mm. No, because you got to use torches to burn books and stuff. So you you can uh, still keep that. <laughs> a lot of these uh, a lot of these groups have the American flag. <laughs> <laughs> Those are that's the number one most commonly used symbol of domestic terrorists mm. or things that have the American flag on them. That, good point. Uh, Magoo says hammer and sickle, not on the list. Yeah, good oh, point. Man. Great point. Che Cavera. We could put his face on t-shirts. Well, let's just... Anyway. Real quick, I'll leave you with something that's just dumb, and maybe we'll mention it later on. Novak Djokovic has withdrawn from the Canadian Open in Montreal because of his COVID-19 vaccination status. That's right. And his status for the U.S. Open is also in jeopardy. Same guy who uh, missed the Australian Open. Guys, we're still doing this? Mm-hmm. It's August of 2022, and basically everyone knows the use can still get COVID if you're vaccinated. And Just, there, are, there are literally no travel restrictions. He's already There's had no- COVID, and we've got data from the CDC showing that you can have better protection from prior infection than from the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And we're still trusting the science on this, apparently, because the science is whatever the people in control want to say it is. And so, he's like, I got enough money. Yeah. I just wanted to I do want to play in these tournaments, but you know, I got enough money. Go screw yourself. All right. I'm not doing it. That's so crazy. I know. COVID-19 still exists when it benefits the folks that it wants to benefit so anyway all right y'all if you enjoyed today's episode please hit that share button as nate said go to godhatesfeds.com get your god hates feds t-shirt get yourself a puzzle go to join gml.com be part of the live group we had some new signups recently appreciate all of you all the new listeners we appreciate every single one of you leave us a rating and review share it with the children guys if you my do. my lifelong dream is to get this god hates feds logo listed on that FBI thing that just got leaked. That's okay, so if you could help us do that by going to godhatesfeds.com, we want to see that on their list. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. All right, if you do all that, we're back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. <laughs>